0: ComC is your home to buy, sell, and flip all kinds of trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 31 million cards. From baseball's biggest stars like Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, and Mookie Betts, to Marvel favorites like Spider Man, Thor, and Captain America, ComC has something for every type of collector. Come visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Listing and shipping, shipping and listing. That's what my friend Bo talks about all the time on his show, things that he's doing day in and day out getting cards listed and then getting cards shipped after they sell and I've been spending a lot of time doing that over these last couple weeks as I've been at home on the weekends now not going into the the physical shop anymore I've had more time to get things listed get things organized and ultimately make some sales for the inventory that I had at home and it's been great. some people have talked about business slowing down a little bit over the last uh, month or so. For me, I think maybe just getting all of these extra things listed has resulted in some additional sales for me, both on the collectible, antique side of things that I've that I've picked up from some of these different attic deals that I've found, and also the cards. So it's spent a lot of time getting things listed and getting things shipped. I also got a ComC mail day this week, which was pretty cool a whole stack of 1959's to go towards that set, I got some 1970 basketball to fill in some of the holes that I have in my 1970 basketball set, so it was a lot of fun, and even some little oddball type things just to to, to fill in the finishing pieces on a couple of random sets that I had found that were missing a couple cards. There was a Marvel insert card from the 90s that I was able to, to knock off that set. A handful of flare cards from 1995 Flare basketball that I needed for that set. So just an, another thing that I love about is the ability to pick up all of these random things, have them all consolidated and shipped to you in, in one big shipment. So I had a lot of fun this week going through my ComC mail day as well. I rounded out my week with a conversation with Bobby Burrell. Bobby is a longtime hobbyist from Canada. He is probably one of the ultimate experts on Canadian hockey collectibles and memorabilia. He's written several books on the topic and he has just wrapped up and released a new project that he's going to tell us about in this conversation. I hope you enjoy. Today, I want to welcome Bobby Burrell. He is a lifelong collector, and he's known as an expert in hockey cards and pretty much all things collectibles with a connection to Canada. He's the author of the Vintage Hockey Card and Collectible Price Guide and is a contributor to several hobby content providers. Welcome, Bobby.
1: Uh, Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate being here. It's fun.
0: I love bringing on experts, people who you know, even if they don't consider themselves experts, people that have proven that they've got a deep history and a deep background and deep knowledge within the hobby community. And you are definitely one of those individuals. So I'm glad that we're getting a chance to talk a little bit today.
1: Well, when that's good because you- I really enjoy sharing with people. Uh, it, it, it helps the hobby going forward. And I, I think a lot of people are mistaken by the information I give you is just to fortify your, your journey too. And it's, it's along with my journey as well.
0: Yeah, we're, we're all on this journey together. And if, if anything, you know, has been proven time and time again, it's that there is so much to this hobby that we've got. You know, we've got over 100 years worth of of cards that are available to us and, and just as much in, in most of the collectible categories as well. And there's never something, I guess there, there's never an end to the knowledge that can come and the knowledge that's out there to be learned. And so I love that, the history of the hobby as well. So I, I love to, when we get a chance to bring on somebody and connect with somebody who's got that passion for the history of the hobby as well, and also has a passion for education and helping bring other people along and get other people up to speed. Um, so so I appreciate you being here today. No, that's great. Let's uh, Let's get to it when did you start collecting cards uh the first
1: pack i opened was 1969 70 and it was hockey i live in toronto canada so uh hockey was everything uh i opened that pack but the, the mo- one i really most remember was the next year or two after uh that's when it, the passion really hit uh you know we all kind of we have only so much money back then like honestly it's not like today every kid gets whatever they want and back then you know you got a quarter if you're lucky you buy a 10 cent pack and and you're good to go And then you have some money left over for some gumballs or bag of chips or something like that. Because you you can't have everything. And you don't always just want cards because I had a sweet tooth. It was tough. So, you know, going forward, it was really difficult. Um, So that was where I basically started. And I I, I kept going. But I also got into other collectibles as well. So comics came, uh, toys uh, from the 70s. uh, Because that 60s, 70s era, we always collect our nostalgic years that we were, you know, prepubescent time period because usually puberty is a dividing time where people stop collecting completely or kind of branch off from it a little bit you know and that's sort of the dividing line so we all have that memory really from about eight years old to about 14 years old those are really prime years for us
0: you started with with hockey you mentioned you know when you were in that prime collecting world and you had branched off into some other collectibles too did you also branch off into to other sports
1: uh no i really didn't well yes i have to say uh, because in 1973 uh i had to go to this special store uh because usually every uh in canada every corner house was almost a variety store it was kind of crazy you know you'd open a variety store if you had a nice corner house or something like that so it was very difficult not everybody carried like this would carry most would carry hockey but some might carry another uh you know maybe baseball or whatever uh but this one place i had to go to specially was up the street and around the corner and they had this whole metal wire rack full of all the different non-sports and other sports it was just like wow so the first pack i was looking over the packs you only have so much money again so i said and i picked this the wacky packages ah I opened it up and I seen Goyle and I just went, "Wow, what is this?" You know, and I was on a Wacky Pack trend for at least a couple of years there, so it was fun. But I, you, yeah, I, I branched off a little bit.
0: Did you ever take a, a break from collecting, or were you pretty consistent throughout? You know, that teen years and twenties and things like that.
1: Sure, um, I kind of stopped around. I never really stopped the interest was always there did i always go to a show did i always go no there's times um you know i started driving motorcycles and uh you know at dates girlfriends you know trips that we we would go on with our motorcycles and you know those were the fun times and you kind of put the hobby in the back drawer at that time and but you always kind of were interested in things as you went along. So there was times that I would go to an old antique store. Oh, wow, look at that great Hang on, Harvey, I gotta get that game. Or I started getting into toy games in the Rock'em Soccer Roll. but it's one of my very favorite, uh, cause I had that as a kid. Uh, I bought it again later on and, uh, and I still have that. I have a lot of those games put away, but I always enjoyed plastic toy games for some reason. But why plastic? I have no idea. Just kind
0: of neat. So at what point did your kind of, full passion come back for, for collecting and for cards?
1: Well, I'd have to say in the, uh, the full passion, probably 95, okay. the full passion came back, you know, because we established ourselves in, in a point in our life where we're making enough money that we have a little excess and, and what have you. And, and I was doing well in, uh, in corporate, uh, coffee sales. So I was just going, hey, okay. I was looking on eBay. I said, was a nice, unopened '74 hockey pack." My God, $150 U.S. Buy it now. Click. I was just from there. I never stopped. But then I started to realize, you know, I was collecting packs and stuff, and we didn't know some of the wrappers, and it really got into a point that I just said, "I got to look into this because is this a '65 or '67 wrapper?" You know, I've said this before, but you know, those things intrigue you. And if you don't know, how are you going to collect? What if I come across a pack, which one is it? And there's a difference in rookies. So there'd be a big difference in price. So I went down this path that I never thought I would, um, like I said, it was osmosis, just getting into it. I just kept going and I really never stopped. And in 2003, I put out, uh, cause I was into wax packs and I put out the vintage hockey collectors price guide. And it was just a rudimentary book on, uh, you know, showing the packs, the wrappers, you know, the boxes, cause I really like point of sale, uh, items. So me and my friend, Roger kuno we got together and put it together, how we met and started, uh, it was in the Canadian sports magazine. Um, uh, and that's sort of the Canadian Beckett. And, uh, he wrote in a question about, you know, this rapper was this or this. And I wrote back in and then we finally hooked up and then we said, we should put something out. It was just that, you know, the F word, F it, let's just go. And, we finished the book in, I don't know, about two years and uh, published it in 2003. And uh, then I kind of moved on into 2006, getting into more of the food issue, getting into more of the stuff that was available in stores. I call it merchandise, or if it was at a souvenir booth, merchandise, that kind of stuff. This is very popular stuff. But I also added all the cards, and I did a lot of research on the history of the cards too. And um, and then in 2015, I put out another book, uh, the Vintage Hockey Collectors Price Guide, which was basically a lists the pictures. Well, this second book in 2006, it was a, it's it's affectionately called the Playboy, because of the large pictures and uh, very little writing. And uh, and then this one got into more correcting the lists, all the things that were wrong, because this the other book didn't have. Uh, the player list. It just had the price of the set. And, you know, again, we're trying to ease into this because who who would think back in 2006, we really didn't know a lot about the hobby. It's it's hard to believe. The internet is somewhat new, you know, it's coming into fruition. Uh, you know, we're almost, we're at critical mass as, as we turned into 2015, 16, we really started to get into it. So that's when this book came out and, and I got into the list and then I, I went with this one, you know. Again, you have to say, and these are all self-published. So it took me many years to write it. I designed it all myself. Uh, I, I put the money forward uh, by myself, you know, like twenty-five thousand and and thirty-two thousand for the other one. Wow. And yeah, and the wife goes, "Are these going to sell?" And I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah sure."
0: <laughs> and, and and eventually they did. So yeah. I'm I, I'm curious to know when you when you were coming up with that idea for the first one you know you mentioned you you had the connection with your your co-author there going back and forth about which rapper you know what set does this rapper go to and and had you been doing kind of the historical research and kind of building your own portfolio of of background information it was that something that you had yeah. already had a passion for that you were already kind of building for your own personal use this kind of database of 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 information about these cards and collectibles or was that something that was kind of purely started and inspired by that conversation
1: there was no start and go date time it was just we just you know i i saved pictures that i hadn't seen before so i'm going to make a file for that and you know put that there because it's nice to share that with your friends you know uh and they go oh you ever seen the display box for that year no let me say hey here but if you don't save it then you can't share it because if it's on eBay or something, you lose that link and it goes away. And so I kept everything and to that point and from 2000 and well prior, let's say at least 2000, uh, everything I was saving, not even just wax and display boxes. Then I got into the food issue because they have cereal boxes. They have other things too that are, You know, I like point of sale, uh, material. I've always liked the point of sale material. So that was, that was my, um, my headstrong way of getting into the hobby and, and staying persistent with it. And I would make files for every year, every decade and um, allocate towards each. And then you just keep dumping stuff in each file. And eventually you have enough information to do a write-up. So then I started writing in about, uh, I wrote for Beckett for about a year in 2008. And um, and then the Canadian Sports uh, Magazine, I wrote it, I wrote for them for about two years in 2009-10. Uh, you know just putting articles out about different things and I got to be known as sort of um, uh, more of the oh the guy knows a lot about food issue and stuff and I said yeah as much as I know about that I I know all about the cards as well very well but there's not much new information in cards which kind of puts me into the the last book in 2015 I started doing more research on, you know, the tens uh, were a time in Canada. It was all uh, Imperial tobacco. It was tobacco cards and uh, the twenties was all chocolate bar. And then the thirties we went gum and it went, you know, straightforward with gum from then on. And then we got into stuff in the sixties and seventies and where they started to really branch out. Um, so that's where I started and that's where I kind of finished off and I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, write a book and, and compile everything together and uh see where it takes us and this well, all the books have been sold out a long time and uh are quite successful and referred to even psa uses uh, as a uh, a reference point when they, uh, they they do stuff and psa calls me all the time or emails me asking me about uh, they're starting to ask me about baseball now <laughs> because if it's hot if there's a hockey um item that was issued but they also issued other sports within the same thing I cover all those too. So they know i got it covered. So they've been asking me about, you know, I know, you know, the hockey, what about the baseball? I said, oh, here's a couple ads. Here's the year it came out. You got it wrong. You're going to have to correct that. And you know it's unfortunate for them, but uh, it's a lot of corrections uh, needed in the hobby uh, with grading companies.
0: Do you view yourself as, as primarily uh, a collector or do you buy and sell a lot of cards too? You know, do you kind of have that, that business side of things too, or, or are you primarily pure collecting focused?
1: You know, I guess uh, it started out, we used to go, the Toronto sports card, It's been around since 1991. Uh, I started setting up at the expo to sell my, my book in 2003. So, you know, throw a few books on the table and um, this way we kind of got in early to the show. I throw a few books out and we, you know, a group of four wax pack collectors, we kind of got together and, and then we just throw some extra stuff on the table and it was, more of a uh, a group meeting that we you know we would kind of sit there all weekend because we would we'd be staying at other people's booths and it got inconvenient so we went forward from there so i progressively stayed in there but what turned out with with the other books is i would buy these items get good quality scans because sometimes you ask people for a scan and especially today you ask somebody for a picture and they shadow with their phone and it's just like I can't take shadows out like you know I want to crop it and have a nice picture so you know I always like to own the item then I can measure it feel it uh then I a little bit more information and I can pass it on to the uh, collector is that fake is that not is this you know and and that just kept going so yes I did start and then I also did start collecting selling stuff and I was going Hey, I'm making a few extra bucks. I'm it's paying for my collection. So yes, uh, um, collector historian. You could slash those like even um, seller dealer after that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. for
0: sure, And so you know your your books in the past. You know they've been a valuable resource for collectors to identify what's out there, identify what they have found. Um, but I w- would have a hunch that they've been also valuable for dealers and show dealers and card shop owners and things like that as well you know to to have a general feel for the values of some of these things and the scarcity of some of these things when you were putting those books out were you were you intending them to be used by the entire breadth of the hobby or were you more focused on providing a resource for collectors or a a resource for dealers you know did you kind of have a mindset on on who the audience would be for your books?
1: Well, uh, funny you ask that, Mike. Uh, you know, my 2003 book, um, at the bottom of uh, of the uh, book, I have written by collectors for collectors. So that was uh, to answer your question. You know, I wrote for the collectors. You know, the dealers used to, um, there's nothing wrong with this. And maybe it's out of innocence uh, that they would tell stories that they got from wherever they acquired the item from. So they would tell a story and I would go, that doesn't even really make sense. It sounds great when you're selling because it, it over embellishes the sale, right? And I said, no, no we got to get rid of that. You know, So that's why it was written for collectors. And when I did publish uh, the books, especially the second one, uh, dealers wouldn't even show collectors what it was because it was like exclusive information. And I had a couple of guys tell me because uh, they contacted me, and said, "Yeah, the guy wouldn't even show me your book." He goes, "What's what was that?" And they, they said, "I don't know, nothing. Don't worry, put it away." Because they used to take advantage of uh, a lot of collectors at that time. Um, some dealers, you know, they would say, uh, "Yeah, that's worth this," you know, and th- they wouldn't want to show them too much information because they held most of the information for themselves. Uh, you know, the hobbyist is helped the hobby regardless. Doesn't matter if you're a collector, dealer, whatever you are. We're all selfish in our own right. I want that card more than you do, Mike depending on who's willing to pay for it more and uh so if we know that going in we can say okay and this became selfish because that information was coveted by people themselves they wouldn't you know hand that out freely but i the books were available for you know whatever you want to pay for them and they're out there to get and uh, you could do your own research and that's what Uh, Really fortified the book sales is more people Like I showed up at the expo with uh, all the books the second book in 2006, I think I sold 40 and I was uh, I was dejected. I made 2000. I said, wow, this is crazy And it's funny how word of mouth for the next six months. I was shipping out 30 a week It was just like never stop and it was more and more and more because everybody found out and word of mouth got around We didn't have the internet. We had it the way it is today where everything's shared on every platform. It, it was definitely different back then. And once, and there was a lot of people who just went to small shows or what have you. So they didn't even have the internet. Uh, so it did finally took time. And then I, I sold out now actually to get this book, I think it's probably be about $200 to find it now. It's become a collectible in itself.
0: Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. That has to, that has to feel good. Well, we just wrapped up the, the, fall version of the of the expo of the sports card expo up in Mm -hmm. the in the Toronto area and I know you got a chance to attend was there anything in particular that you found for your collection at the expo this fall
1: you know I find for other people a lot of times I'm finding information I think that is first and foremost today than it is for myself um I I get the pleasure out of documenting it and it, it has overtaken it so it's the intangible part of it that uh, I find uh, is collectible. I'm collecting information, Uh, having the items. Yes, you know, I have a beautiful maple leaf room and, but I've reached that critical mass stage again. it is like, I have so much stuff. It's very hard to find that one piece. So I'm just buying stuff that looks like deals. And it's very easy for me to walk around because all the knowledge I have, I go, yeah, okay, I'll take that, take that, take that. It's just like, you, because a lot of people. I mean, we're not talking about cards here. Basically, we're talking about most of the food issue, or even food issue related cards. A lot of people don't know that series or or what have you. Uh, especially a lot of dealers who don't really, um, you know, specify hockey collectibles. They're more into the general collectibles. And then there's the merchandise side, which is you know sticks and pucks and gloves and all that other stuff. So we're the hobbies in three places. It's really it's the cards. And then you have the food issue and merchandise, and then you have the uh, memorabilia, which is, you know, the uh, collectors of, uh, you know, skates and what have you. It's a different, uh, and very rare is it all three that you collect because you have to have a lot of knowledge spread out between two. But uh, the food issue, I would say, and the cards pretty much are are, are as close as you can get.
0: Very cool. Well, you recently, you know, we've been we've been talking about the books that you had put out in the past to document and capture this history for collectors. Well, you recently released kind of a new app and and website that is focused on on this same idea. Let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me about this this new website and new app.
1: Okay. Well, it started with uh, my friend Andy, who's a CFL uh, friend and collector. You know, we've been sharing information because you know CFL and and, um, and hockey are very similar in a lot of senses, but they're both Canadian, predominantly Canadian, and we'd share vintage information and what have you. So we've been friends for a long time. I put out my last book in 2015 and uh, Andy asked me, he says that, cause Andy is a code writer, so he does apps for a living and stuff like that. So he says, you know, I'm working on an app and working on it for two years, um, would you like to get involved in it and he goes you know cfl is not enough to do an app he says, i need a good base and hockey would be great you know it's small enough and big enough at the same time and he uh i said no at that time i said no thank you andy i'm sorry i'm i i, I just did the book i just want to break uh you know because it's a lot of production time and people don't realize when you're self-published how much work you have to do uh and he says okay no problem but it wasn't you know, six, eight months later, I just said, you know, Andy, let's do it because you keep finding new information. You go, man, I'd love to share that. I should put that in there. And when you have unlimited space, like you do with an app, you can write as much as you want. You're not contrived to uh, a paragraph uh, yep. in a book and you're looking at saving pages and, and balancing out how much the book is going to cost because every extra page you add beyond is eight pages you have to add. That's just the way the math works. It's like, yeah, okay, it's 32 pages, 160. It works. it end? And then your your cost goes way up, you know. Well, so started out as twenty five thousand. Now I'm at thirty two. Where do I stop? And I can keep going. And then you have to justify which pieces is really um, justify a page in the in the book. And that's why I really never went into the nineties because you could do a book on just 90 to 95 just the amount just on cereal boxes almost you know or or craft dinner or what have you there's so much in that uh, space i don't know if i have enough life in me to even get to it because i'm still not even finished uh, adding the stuff to the app and the app is you know it's 1910 to 1990 uh uh everything hockey food issue and uh, merchandise and things that haven't really ever been documented before even in my other books because I had a long span in between 2023 and and, uh, and 2015 when I, I wrote the last book. So there was a lot of information that I, and the, the other stuff that I've been holding that I never really put in the books that I didn't think I could justify. Now I can just throw it in there. And so we've multiplied times 10 the information uh, with not let alone pictures, every picture of everything, you know, it's the, the write-ups, the detailed information. And I think that going forward, uh, the app should be very successful. If you're really looking and uh, the things it can do, the app you, you can save your sets, you can see what you know, you can walk into a show and go bang, bang. Oh, I need that card. Bang, it's, it's all listed on the app. The app does everything that a collector needs to have.
0: So it's got information about the sets, it's got the checklists of the sets, it's got a, a collection feature too for you can catalog your own collection of what you've got on there. You mentioned you said 1910 to 1990. Yeah, is hockey.
1: The CFL goes from 1910, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if it goes that far back, but probably even earlier, actually. Uh, and it goes right up to current times okay. because CFL is smaller and manageable. Where hockey, yep. 90s to 2000, oh, my, that's a big book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a book, you know, I'm just saying.
0: And so so if somebody goes and gets the app, it, and is it all – when you say hockey cards, is it Canadian issue only or does no. it have the U.S. issues and the U.S. regional food issues as well as the Canadian?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, most of the uh, a lot of the merchandise is uh, American issued. A lot of companies in the uh, in the U.S. would produce hockey items and uh, and a lot of them we really didn't get up here. So it, it's it's very uh, T.O.P.S. and OPG focused, you know, both companies. I have great history, uh, resources and knowledge about those companies. Uh uh, the two, both of them. And uh, it also goes into, like I said, you know, a lot of the merchandise and even food issue came out of there. And I, I really want to spread out a little bit further. I'm, I'm on that edge. Uh, I'd like to get into regional. Uh, 1967, when the league expanded, you had six new American teams. And a lot of those collectors are really coming of age now. And And back then they really promoted, they did a lot of special promotions to get their team started, you know, to keep, keeping the, you know, probably police been around since 1927, you know, they, they, they didn't have anything to prove, but in 67, you know, Philadelphia, Minnesota, St. Louis, all those teams had to, you know, really push their, and they have these great little regional issues and I'm finding out more and more about them. I already know quite a lot about them, but I really need to get into the finite details. I do want to add that, but I, I just want to get through, keep on because we're going to add for the next two years, just the amount of information will be never ending. I, and I do want to, Ah, uh, because we do all the Parkers hockey. I want to put all the Parkers non-sports in there too, just to satisfy that, uh, you know. And I'm, I, as much as I know about um, hockey, I'm actually non-sports Canadian for the most part. Um, I'm pretty much a historian at that point.
0: Too. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome to see that expand. You know, we've been talking about it, but I don't think we've mentioned the name of it yet. So, <laughs> what is the name of of the app, and and where can people find it?
1: Well, this is the logo. And this is the name of the app. It's called Needham. N-E-E-D-U-U-M. It is a takeoff from, you know, kids sitting around going, got them, got them. Need them. Need is the big word. Not got them. So, you know, even if you got them, you still need them. It's my little tagline.
0: And then what, you know, how much is it? How much does it cost? Is it a subscription? Is it a one time fee? What's how's how's that work um, for somebody to be able to kind of fully utilize it?
1: Yeah, because it's going to grow, it's, it can't just be a book one time, you know, if we just gave you that little bit, said, okay, that's whatever a book value, and, and then we keep adding to it, you got to pay for the rest of the books, you know, it would be another book, another book. So, uh, we got it down to basic cost of uh, it's uh, every six months, $29.99, uh, reoccurring, uh, but you can cancel it anytime, time, of course, uh, but, you know, six months at a time, so $5 a month. And with the amount of compiled information, like I said, that's basically a book and we'll be adding almost another book in every six months, uh, amount of information if you do a comparative, just the, the new information, the other stuff that I did not add, the new stuff that I have found, the updates, the new pricing, the, it, I can keep going. It just, uh, it's just a nonstop perpetual thing, uh, which is great for me because Making that decision to do a book, as you see from you know 2003, then I got 2006, then it went to 2015. You're sitting there going, "That's a long time in between," because you know that it's an arduous journey um, writing a book, designing the book, and 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 putting yourself out there. You know, it takes a lot to really say, "Hey, I'm doing this." And, and I think the big deterrent in our hobby is that you know it's easy to do a um, not to take anything away from anybody, but it's easy to do a blog, turn it on, talk some stuff. But, you know, try to get down and write and then people listen to you and you are the voice of the information. So I have to be right. And I'm the hardest critic. The glass is not even half full. It's empty every time it's actually got less in it. You know, if you can physically do that, you know, it's just like, no, 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 let's start from scratch on everything. And and going forward, I think that that serves uh, the collector to the best. You know, I'm nothing special. You know, I always say for my diploma, I, I graduated grade 12. You know, I got 55 in English, horrible writer, uh, 95 in math. So good, detailed oriented person. Um, but it's amazing. I've written, what, over 75, maybe close to 100 articles published and uh, and three books. So something's, I guess, life experience, you know, and I get better with writing every year. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's not an easy... Yeah, i can't sit down like a typical writer and write something in an hour you know i write down the base information then i try to make a little storyline then i try to add little keywords and change it up a little more verbs and so it takes me about like four hours what a writer would take an hour to do so
0: sure is the utility between what you can find on the website and the app the same
1: oh no there's stuff you oh i i i'd almost say for what you're trying to look for on the web, um, we have at least fifty percent more that you can find. That that's in the app that you'll never even see or ever even seen
0: before, even on not, the Needham. Not,
1: not on for the, Needham the website. Oh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah. On the Needham site, you will see more than you in one collective place. Sure, you can do some back history and go the Wayback Machine or whatever, but you're you're not going to get a quality picture of anything um, that, uh, well, you can, like the cards are all easy. We all know what, you know, Mickey Mantle looks like. We all know those the cards. Um, but it's the key information. It's the, the wrappers and how many variations and the display box and, uh, the point of sale material. Uh, there's so many other issues and, uh, pictures and, and that's where, that's where need is, uh, is where you need them.
0: Yeah. And that's what I was trying to, to kind of get to, right. Cause myself is, I'm someone who prefers to do my, cataloging my research and all of that type of thing on a, a computer on a on an actual computer screen and, and utilize you know maybe a website to be able to do that the app would be great for a situation if i am like you said at a show and i'm trying to do those types of things um but that's what i was just trying to make sure i, I understood if you if you decided to subscribe to Needham, is that kind of full functioning access at Needham.com as well as the app or is it is it it's- one or the other
1: yeah, the the platform was built on three different. Uh, uh, it was built on Android. It's built on the iPhone and a website. So you, yeah. can, it, you know, a lot of guys go, I don't even use my phone. I said, we got a website. Yeah, works the same. Yep. All same information is there. So if you sign up with the website and you have an app, just download the app, put your username in, functions both ways.
0: Perfect. Yep, yeah. that's what I just wanted to. The to Utility make sure I... is is across the board. It has to be. You
1: know, at that at this point, going forward. So.
0: In in the past, you know, the, you in the in your print books, you kind of also referred to them as a price guide and gave a general ge- general view of of prices. Is that a component of, of Needham as well?
1: It's a major component of Needham. Uh, a lot of people, you know, it's one thing. I was talking about the trading card database. <clears throat> they unfortunately they don't have prices of things, so it's nice to to see the item, like identify it if it is there. It's like oh that's great so what's the price i was looking on ebay i couldn't find it i was looking on the internet nobody really kind of gave me i was looking at worth point trying to find finish oh i got to join worth point to get a price and that just gives you you so many prices because worth point doesn't even go back i've sold hundreds of items on ebay over the years and my items aren't even coming up in their searches and i'm doing detailed searches i'm going well where so this i know for a fact they're only giving you a percentage of Mm -hmm. of uh it's it's not worth and it's no, not worth any point buying anything or uh, worth point. They're, they're they're not getting giving you enough value for your dollar, uh, unfortunately. Where I give more, well, I'm looking for giving you more value than we ever receive in money. Uh, I think going forward, because being a writer, what do I make a penny an hour, mm. fight it out. It's not a money making thing. It's sort of something that we, uh, you know, I love waking up to a treasure hunt every morning. Like who doesn't I like honestly and that's that's the biggest part of the hobby but going forward it's just a it's a fun way to enjoy life and look forward to getting mail and 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 going to the shows and associating with your friends and uh, and people you met and people you haven't met and uh it, it's a, it's a very uh it's camaraderie is a, is amazing part of the hobby and i go back to the expo you know it's not about always what you're going to find there it's really meeting your friends and maybe showing them stuff or, or talking Stuff you know, talking crap. We, you know, we just have some fun together and, uh, some guys have been doing it for 25, 30 years. So,
0: so before we go today, I want to give you the opportunity to, you know, let people know anything else about the site that you wanted or in the, and the app that you wanted to make sure people, people knew, and then also a chance to let people know where they can find it and where they can connect with you.
1: Okay. Well, uh, as I said, you know, Needham is a, uh, is based on hockey and a CFL. At this point going forward, you will find, uh, all the listings for every hockey set and prices for each, uh, for food issue and a, a lot or most of the merchandise. Uh, also with the CFL CFL, actually, it's quite surprising how much CFL stuff. Cause I was, roaming through it. I know a little bit, and then you just go, wow, there's that much. I can't believe it. You know, CFL was around even before the NFL, right? So they've been around since 18, whatever, 1860, something like that. Uh, so there is quite a history there. Um, you know, anybody who, who joins Needham, um, I see, you know, it's really hard to tell people about Needham saying, you know, hey, they got prices and the people go, oh, I got eBay for that. But no, when you look at tough items, good luck, you know. Uh, so I give up a, a happy medium between my history and all the research I have done. So it does help them there. And going forward, I think uh um people will realize the amount of information that's written. I, I think you can't sell somebody and going, oh, the write-ups are like great, they're seven paragraphs. And they're going, Yeah, so it's like, but no, really, if you delve into my write-ups, you're just gonna see, you know, like my articles that I write for Hobby News, data. it's same thing. Uh it's it's detailed oriented information. There's no fluff. I can't write fluff. I got 55 in English. It's, I'm not a fluff writer. <laughs> just the facts, man.
0: Where can people find you and find the app?
1: Uh, they can find it. They can download it. Uh, it's on in the App Store. And it's uh, at uh, Needham.com. Uh, you know, HTTP, uh, Needham.com. And uh, Android, you can download it uh, through them. Too. It's, it, it's available on every platform. So uh, just go to Needham. N-E-E-D-U-U-M.
0: Very cool. Well, thanks, Bobby. I really appreciate you joining today and uh, definitely encourage people out there to go and check out the app.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: Bobby is a great source of information. So if you haven't already checked his content out, I would encourage you to find the app, see if it fits your needs, find his articles on Hobby News Daily. He does a great job of educating all of us on the history of hockey cards and collectibles. So check his stuff out. I would really appreciate it if you told a friend about the show. Let them know where they can find the podcast. And that is pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. You can also go to waxpackhero.com to see the other articles and content that I am putting out. Well, that is all I have for you today. So I'll catch you next time.